Welcome to the Share Life Podcast with Jason Scott Montoya, where we explore stories and systems to live better and work smarter. In this inspirational interview on the Share Life Podcast, I'm speaking with Kinsman Journal founder and publisher, Peter Ostopko. 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 Uh, Peter, say hello and tell us how to say your name. <laughs> it's no worries at all. Uh, it's Ostopko. Ostopko. That's All right. right. Yep. And that is a Ukrainian Polish uh, heritage, you said, yeah, right? Uh, Polish Ukrainian, kind of that uh, Slavic region of the world uh, roots. So, yep. All right. Well, Peter is a, a marketplace and kingdom connector. He's inviting men to lead lives of transformative faith, redemptive fatherhood, and honoring work. He believes God is good and that each of us have a story to tell because of the Savior that redeems. So, Peter, thank you again for. For joining me in this discussion, uh, let's start by getting to know you and uh, who are you and what's your what's your story. Well, I have uh, depends on how much time we want to talk about that. But, <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm in my mid 30s. I'm from Southwest Missouri. Uh, this is where I stem and grew up. Started to go to college uh, at Evangel, which is in Springfield. It's a small private Christian liberal or Christian school. Met my wife there. Uh, she stems from the north, Milwaukee area in Wisconsin. Uh, after our sophomore years of school, we got married. I transferred to a the state school here, finished my degree in finance. I've been uh, in the finance banking industry uh, for the past 14 years. Uh, in the last decade or so, I've been in lending. I started out doing specialty lending for churches and nonprofits all across the country. Uh, and then the last uh, handful of years, pivoted to community banking, uh, working with businesses, small business owners. Uh, investors, uh, builders, people, just people in my community. And so uh, I made the move. I loved what I did before. I love what I do now, but uh, it was more about just being uh, present and local. I didn't want to uh, be traveling, uh, especially yeah. in the years of my kids' lives. And so uh, it was important for me to be present. Uh, so I made that move. And so it's been great. And so, uh, so yeah, that's what I do. Uh, vocationally, I work in that space in finance and banking. My wife and I are heavily involved in our church. Um, it, are you still doing the financial... Uh, what you're doing now, you're, you're the vice president of uh, at some bank, is that? Yeah, so I work for a, a community bank here, uh, vice president of uh, commercial lending. So I uh, do So that's beyond just churches, like you were working with churches earlier, oh, yeah, but now it's yeah. more so open-ended. Kind of a specialty of mine. Uh, yeah. So I work with churches in the region, uh, for sure, which is really something I really enjoy, but I'll do, you know, all types of different types of commercial lending as well, so. Okay, yeah. Yep. So I'll, I'll throw this question at you real quick. Um, as someone who does works in the financial arena and who has worked with a lot of churches in that regard, um, I think there are a lot of people out there that, and, and some of it justified, that have skepticism or maybe even cynicism towards uh, how the church handles and uses money. What what would your what was your experience like? Anything you would shed in that, or you know, seeing the the underbelly of the beast, so to speak? <laughs> yeah, well, you certainly that's that's a very uh very interesting question. I, I, I would say this, um, given the opportunity that I've had to kind of see behind the curtain, if you will, or kind of see, I would say the overwhelming majority of churches uh, want to do the right thing. They are good stewards. They aim to yeah. channel and utilize the resources God has entrusted to them uh, to do so very, very well. Um, there are, of course, outliers. There are organizations that uh, you know, you could call into question the way that they handle certain things. But thankfully, you know, 
that's not, a, we don't have to answer that. Those people do in those capacities. Yeah. Uh, but I would say, you know, from a monetary standpoint or from a giving standpoint, or if you want to use, you know, the Old Testament, uh, you know, tithing, um, just generosity in general, you know, being generous is, is, is a byproduct of receiving, you know, when you receive God's grace and forgiveness in your life, you want to extend those things to others. And so God is generous with his love and forgiveness towards us financially. If you believe that, you know, God is sovereign and he's provided you with the abilities to work and to do the things that you do to earn an income and money, then you want to be generous with those things. And so, um, although, yeah, there are imperfections and, and, and areas of churches and organizations and businesses that uh, are certainly flawed, uh, it shouldn't keep us from uh, being generous in the way that we live our lives, especially in giving to the church, because uh, ultimately it's not about you and the church. It's about you and God and how you're responding to God's generosity in your life. So that's what yeah. Yeah. Okay. So how do you go from this banking background, finance background to this Kinsman journal? And what is this Kinsman journal anyway? Yeah. So I tell people there's a five-year story and a 20-year story. So uh, the five-year story is in 2017. In January of 2017, I was in a Barnes and Noble bookstore in Wichita, Kansas. I was wrapping up some meetings and uh, I was just cruising through the business section and uh, cover of a book caught my eye. It was called The Revenge of Analog, Real Things and Why They Matter. So I picked up the book and I started reading it. And it really, the book was, uh, each chapter reads on its own, but it's really a series of industries uh, that were supposed to completely die off with the, you know, the emergence of digital technology and the internet. Uh, so some of those was, were board game cafes, were print, uh, paper, uh, school, uh, as well as, uh, you know, vinyl, you know, all these industries that have seen, I would say they're, you know, they're, they're glory days for sure, but they've reinvented themselves in a lot of different ways. And board games, cafes, board game cafes, I wouldn't say that's like an industry. I'd say it's more of a, more of a hobby, but the idea is that people have a desire to physically be together and play a game in a lot of, in an analog form. So anyways, I read the book, um, and the chapter on print specifically really just, it just, it just, fired something within me and so i'm a person of faith and i believe that that was a divine moment where the holy spirit just orchestrated um you know just some desires within me and so i went on a two-year journey i just started researching all things within the print industry learning about you know what's been you know difficult for that industry we've all heard the phrase of the term print is dead uh the reality is is you know poor quality print is certainly dead you know the daily news of print is dead because of the internet uh, but there's certainly a pl place for, you know, quality journalism and writing and photography. And there's something about the tactile experience of print that really can't be replicated uh, through digital technology. Uh, we've seen it through even digital e-readers. Uh, they've already peaked. People have started to go back to reading books because they like the experience of physically underwriting, reading and highlighting uh, what they want to read. Um, and so it's not so much these technologies have... Um, removed the print industry. It's just kind of created a new way for us to explore and experience uh, that type of information. And so, so for me, I picked up the book, I got really curious about it. And I just really just prayed about and just really was leaning in and discerning about what this meant for me in my life. And so that's a bit of the five year journey. The 20 year journey is growing up my parents, my dad uh, was in publishing, uh, he published a community magazine. Uh, before my parents were divorced and he moved, I was around that. And so I just, like most little boys, you're always interested and curious about the things that your dad does. So I was no different. And uh, so I just, you know, I just followed him around and went on sales calls with him. And so I, you know, just 
developed a love, like I said, for the printed word. And so um, it just came full circle about five years ago. And so, you know, our topic or the, the subject we talk about in Kinsman Journal is our is faith, fatherhood, and work. Those are the lenses by which we've created a lot of our content. Um, and we really chose those three because, you know, those are really three pillars of a man's life, really, uh, is his faith, who he is, who he is in Christ, who God says that we are. Um, fatherhood, if you are in uh, the family, the traditional marriage, if you're married and you have kids, um, you know, being a father is an extraordinarily important role. Uh, and for those that have kids, you know, we are, we're all trying to do the best that we can. And so we want to speak to the things of fatherhood and then our work. You know, I initially was going to lead with the word entrepreneurship, faith, fatherhood, work, or faith, fatherhood, and entrepreneurship. But we switched it because not everybody's designed to be an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurship is not for everybody. But we really wanted to share and to highlight and to talk about the dignity and the holiness of the work that we do. And so that's what we landed on. Uh, so each section of the journal, uh, it's all original content, all original writing, all original photography. Um, we have about 30 authors, 40 overall contributors to this first issue of volume one. It's 240 pages, no ads. Uh, it's been funded by really just the hand of God, really just a blessing has been upon it and bringing about uh, the right people in the right places. But we just wanted to speak and give a voice uh, to what we believe is an audience that uh, wanted to hear about uh, other things uh, in, the relate, in relation to men's media. And we want yeah. to put a framework and a language around that. And I'm saying this with confidence now because we're getting feedback and people are responding and saying, listen, I've been, I've literally have been praying and thinking about these very things for the last few years as a man and as a dad. And you just, you just, you're giving a language around what I've wanted to read from. And so that's business 101. As you look to the market, you say, okay, I really would like to have this because I have a problem and no one's filling that problem. And so as an entrepreneur, you say, okay, do I want to fill that void in that market? And so we just said, yeah, that's what we want to do. And so that's what, that's what we're aiming to do. And uh, really by, by God's grace. I mean, I, I know I might really lean heavily on that in this interview and conversation, but uh, this journal is, is God breathed and it's, it's because of what he's been able to do in and through people that were able to be here today and having this discussion about it. All right. So I guess let's dive into some of the, the specifics of, of that. So what do you, what do you think about living better? What does that mean to you and, and how do you uh, go about that and how do you encourage others to go about it? Well, I'd say, I mean, living better, better, better. it's going gonna, it's gonna to mean different things, I think, to different people. I think really what we're trying to get to the root of is establishing what are our priorities? You know, what are the areas of our lives that are most important? And do we place assignment with our time and with our resource to those things that we've identified as most important? So if, if you say, I want to live better, it means, okay, I want to live better in being a good father. Okay, well, then are you making time to be in the presence of your children and, and leading and loving them uh, the way that you want to so that you can live better in that? If that's being a better husband, if that's being a better, um, you know, business leader, if that's being a better community member, whatever that is, I think it's identifying what priorities are in your life um, and then, you know, giving your time and resource to those things because, if you want to live better, really what you're talking about is something deep down where you want to have a higher level of fulfillment, you know, within your life. And if, if you haven't identified or established what brings you joy in life, then you really can't assign the things that you want to do in your life that bring you joy and bring you fulfillment and ultimately live better uh, if you don't know what that is. So I think first and foremost, it's identifying what makes you smile, you know, what makes you tick, what brings you joy in your life and do more of those things. Spend time, spend your resource in doing the things that uh, that bring you joy and fulfillment. 
and uh, I think they'll live a, a much better life. Than yeah, so let me ask a couple of questions here. The first is, you mentioned prioritization. We need to order our lives in a particular uh, a structure. What if someone uh, resists that idea? Like, why do I need to prioritize um, those things? Why can't it just be more impulsive or more organic? Why do I need to order it? Well, I, I don't think necessarily you have to, I would say. I, I think it's more being aware of who you are. Yeah. You know? what drives you. And so I, I think, I think, I think regardless, I think if you are a very impulsive person who likes to just fly by the seat of their pants, you need to prioritize time in your life and margin so that you can fly by the seat of your pants. You know, if your life is completely chaotic because you have meeting and schedule and meeting and schedule, but you don't recognize that you're a person that likes to have flexibility and margin in your life, well, then you're going to be disappointed, you're going to be frustrated, and you're not going to be living a very good life because you're not doing the things that you love to do. So I think even if you're a very unorganized person, you need to know what brings you joy and what brings you fulfillment. Yeah. So, so know, on, there's, a yeah. Different, there's a lot of different ways where you can find that. I mean, spiritually speaking, you know, it's through a place of prayer and being in the presence of God and, and asking those questions. I think the Holy Spirit brings that clarity in your own life or whatever that looks like. Um, in a practical sense, you know, there's 1 million different types of personality tests and traits and things that you can take to, you know, get somewhat of a better understanding about kind of the ways that you are wired. You know, there's yeah. the profile, there's the Myers-Briggs, there's, of course, you know, everybody talks about the Enneagram. There's all these different ways where you can have, you know, an explorative look on who you are made up, or who, who, what makes you you from a, from a character standpoint and a personality. And so I would I would explore those different things. I would layer them on top of each other. And then I would say, okay, what does all this mean for me? And what are things in my life that, uh, that maybe I want to change so that I am being fulfilled? Yeah. So. What would you, so you talk about like figuring out what the things are that you enjoy and, and doing more of that. So I, I guess what I would be curious to know is like, what if someone comes to you as like, hey, Peter, my, uh, my upbringing was horrible. My parents were terrible. Like I suffered, um, abuse and I just was trying to survive I don't I don't know what brings me joy um but what would you say to someone like that well first off if if someone were to come to me in that type of situation I would be very careful to provide any advice because I don't know that unless I know that person at a very deep level yeah um, not in a place to provide that level of of advice um I, I think when you're dealing with wounds or areas of your life, specifically, you know, brokenness of your heart or maybe past, you know, um, trauma, those are very, very real things. Those are very real experiences. Um, they manifest themselves in different ways, <clears throat> physically, emotionally, spiritually. Uh, and I think, or I, sh I would say this, I would, I would encourage anybody who is in those, in that type of a place or situation to seek out uh, a professional, you know, I mean, for so long, it was a faux pas to go to a counselor to go to a, you know, a therapist. That's just silliness. I think really what those people do is they are trained professionals in helping us understand our triggers and the way that we react and our emotional response to certain situations and people. And so I think it's very important for us to explore what that looks like. Um, yeah. Spiritual standpoint, I do believe that, you know, one of the one of the names of God is my mighty counselor. I mean, I believe that God provides um, that to us individually uh, because he lives within us. So I, I believe that 
you know, the Holy Spirit can work and can intercede on our behalf. And we are able to understand more about ourselves when we spend time in the presence of God. I absolutely believe that. And I believe also we are designed for relationship. And so I think if you have a group of people, friends, trusted friends, I think it's important to have open and honest conversations about things in your life that, um, that bring you joy and that also bring you sorrow. And I think it's important to explore and to unpack and to have those discussions. So a very long answer to your question is if someone asked me that, I would say you need to go find some really good close friends. And if you don't have some, you need to go find some and create some because in relationship and in proximity, proximity of other people is you're going to find there's a lot of other people. All of us have wounds. All of us have brokenness. All of us have pain in our lives uh, because we live in a fallen world and on the side of heaven. Uh, that's just the reality that we face. And so, um, so yeah, but I would say being that I am a person of faith, there's always hope, you know? Um, yeah. I, I, I'm not going to say to someone who's experienced extraordinarily trauma that that was God's plan for their life for them to experience that. Absolutely not. But it is a product of living in a fallen world. But in the midst of that, we do have hope. And so that's what I would, that's what I would say to that person. So. Right. Well, let's shift. So, uh, to the work side of things. So what does it mean to work smarter? I mean, you talk about honoring work and, and your, um, in the Kinsman journal. So how do you contextualize that and approach it? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I, I think I would say this, I'll just take this approach on, um, work smarter. I would say, I think we've become so fixated on this idea of efficiency and, um, there's definitely a place for that you want to do work, you want to do work efficiently, you know, find when you're most optimized and do certain things in certain times of the day. Absolutely. If your if your calendar, your schedule allows you to do that. Um, I think knowing who you are and your personality, you know, if you're easily distracted, maybe you shouldn't have your phone with you, you know, I mean, just very simple, practical things that you could do um, that I think are, are important to take, you know, into consideration of those certain days of the week um, where you like to have certain meetings, then do that. You know, I think scheduling out a week and a, and a schedule that allows you to be optimized is definitely great. And if your workplace and your employer allows you to do that, then certainly do that. Um, if you're speaking from a, a profitability standpoint, working smarter, you know, obviously you want to, you want to, you want to engage into the activities in the areas that have output. You know, if, if you're spending so much of your time, you know, for example, if you're in the content creation business, you know, everybody's talking about creating content, creating content. Um, that's all well and good, but if you're creating content and you're not getting the output that you need, then you need to develop a system that allows you to do that. And so that looks differently for different people. Uh, but I, I think, again, working smarter is taking inventory and recognizing, you know, what are goals? What are the goals you've established? How do we hit those goals and metrics? Uh, but again, this goes back to the very, very first question that you asked about living better. What brings you joy and fulfillment? Is it profitability? Is it doing work that you love? Is it spending more time with your family? Is it, you know, spending more time, you know, at the lake or mowing your grass or fill in the blank? And so you design a life that allows you to do that as best as you're able. Um, now, I work for an employer, so I live in the constraints that most people do where, you know, you're required to be there at certain hours of the day and certain times. And so you do the best that you can given those constraints. But um, yeah, so I, it's kind of a long-winded answer to work smarter, but there's a lot of ways to approach that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let, let's jump into the dynamic between people then and talk about mentoring. When you think about mentoring and how important it is or how important it's been to you, um, what, what would you speak into that, that concept, that idea, that habit? 
of uh, of mentoring? Yeah, mentoring mentoring really comes down to relationships, doesn't it? Um, I think you're going to have different types of mentors in your life. You're going to have people that you're going to be learning from um, and they don't know you or you're not, you know, really something to them. And I would say like in the world that we live in with, with podcasts and YouTube, you know, you can learn a lot from a lot of different people that are very educated and experienced. I think there's a level of mentor with that only from a learning standpoint. Uh, obviously from a relational standpoint, there's not as much there. So I would say that's very, very high level skim surface. The next step I would say is there's going to be people in your life, mentors or people that are very, very busy. They have a lot going on. And although they might want to give you the time and capacity that you would like to have, they don't have the bandwidth to do so. And so these people are going to be people that you might only meet with a couple of times a year or have conversations maybe three or four times a year. And so in those types of relationships, I would be very, very strategic in the time that you have with them, questions that you're going to ask, take time that you're going to um, take the time before the time you're going to spend with these people to make sure that you are respecting and honoring their time. Um, obviously in mentorship, it depends if this is a business professional or personal type of mentoring is gonna really constitute the type of dynamics within this relationship. Um, but the other thing too, is I would just be, and this would be the last one would be, you know, a regular mentor, someone that you're meeting with on a regular basis. And I would say uh, monthly or more. Um, I think most of us probably don't have that ongoing. I myself, I've had that in the past. I'm looking for that as well. Um, I think those are people that you're going to know much more on a personal level. You're not, you, you can't have a relationship with someone that you're meeting with on a monthly basis and not get to some level of personal. Um, yeah. <laughs> intent, even if the intent is, is business in nature. But even with that, I would say come with a very open mind and just be willing to, to listen. You know, you can have a set of questions. Uh, but I think if you're wanting to learn from someone else, the, the, the greatest thing that we can do is we can listen and observe uh, people. And so uh, I think a mentorship too, in that level and capacity where you're meeting that regular, it's, it's, it's a give and take type of a relationship. And so, uh, but above all else, you know, you want to honor people's time. Uh, so if you're looking to seek out some type of a mentorship relationship, have minimal expectations uh, because what they want to get out of it might be differently than what you want to. Uh, and just, you know, slowly kind of crawl before you walk and then walk before you run into that. And so I think, you know, ultimately, if it's a good relationship, I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be fruitful and ultimately, hopefully it will flourish in the long term. Yeah. Yeah. So you've you've shared about living better, working smarter about mentoring. So let's um, you mentioned systems and you shared some of your stories. So let's talk about stories a little bit deeper. You know, what are some real or fictional stories or narratives that have shaped you as a person? Well, I would say a couple. I would say the obvious one, given some of the things I've said so far, is, you know, the narratives in the Bible, you know, for me. Um, those aren't fictional people. Those are real people. Those are real stories that happen. And I think um, what we are always looking for when we're reading stories and when we're reading scripture is, do we find ourselves in that person? You know, we, we so, you know, when we feel like conquerors, we align with Joshua and we align with David. Um and then when we feel like we failed, we also align with David. And then we also, you know, align with, with Job and different people in the Bible. And, you know, I think that's a, obviously a, a wonderful place because I believe that, you know, God speaks uh, to us through his word and through scripture. We learn more about, uh, about God, the nature of God, the story of God in and through the lives of his people. 
uh, from a fictional standpoint, you know, I growing up, you know, the way that I did, I, you know, when I was young, my parents uh, separated. And so um, it's funny when I saw this question, I started to really think about it. And I always found myself um, looking into stories and narratives that had some level of brokenness in them, specifically in the family dynamic or in a relational dynamic. Um, I'm a huge baseball fan. I love, you know, the, the nostalgic feel of baseball in the journal. Um, we have a photography feature in each of the sections of the journal and faith, fatherhood and work. And in the fatherhood one, we did a, you know, 12 page spread, you know, with 50 photos of um, men or dads playing catch in baseball with their, with their boys. And it's just beautiful imagery. Um, and so that, you know, baseball is a big thing for me. So I love the movie Field of Dreams. It's obviously one of my favorite movies. I think the storyline of, you know, you know, Ray Kinsella and his dad um, playing catch. And then obviously the pull with small town America and, and baseball, it just kind of tugs on a lot of those heartstrings for me personally. Um, but it's funny because I walked, I watched that movie when I was younger. I loved it because it was baseball. I loved all baseball movies. But now as a dad, as someone who's pursued something, um, you know, a dream, if you will, um, and kind of, I don't want to say recklessly abandoning and just going after something that is more strategic and, um, you know, risk-taking with God. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of parallels that I can find myself in, in, <laughs> yeah. story, in that narrative with, you know, him driving across the country to go pick up James Earl Jones and bring him back to, you know, to Iowa. And so there's just a lot of neat stories. So that that's definitely one for me personally. I love that story. I think as men, we all want to be the hero, the conqueror. And so it's easy to find ourselves in stories like, you know, Braveheart and, you know, those types of movies, because, you know, those are things that we long to be as men. We long to be the conqueror, the hero, and, and the story of our own lives and the lives of our family and the people around us, at least, you know. So what, what about like, so I can definitely understand like and relate to, to how we relate to those characters, like you said, but we ought to also relate to the characters we probably would rather not relate to. Um, so uh, what is it go, what's going on there? You know, we want to definitely uh, relate to, um, uh, you know, like Peter, you know, we might say, well, Peter is such a great guy and yeah, he, did abandon Jesus, but he came back around. But what about Judas? Like, yeah, we're a lot more like Judas than we would rather uh, admit. So what, what would you say to that? Well, I would say we can always learn from everybody and anyone. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think, uh, I think watching and experiencing other people's um, misfortune, mistakes is a great teacher. I mean, observation and just watching. I mean, you know, as a younger brother, I had two older brothers. I mean, they were fine, but I mean, just, I remember growing up and watching them and do things and them getting in trouble and they're like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. And so, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, from a spiritual standpoint, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. We, we long to align ourselves with the heroic, with the redemptive, you know, it's, you know, none of us want to say I am, I am, I am 90% Judas. and like 10% David. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Not, that's just not what we say, but I certainly believe it's important for us to understand and recognize uh, that we are imperfect people uh, and yeah. we certainly all make mistakes. Um, and and more importantly, just be aware of our shortcomings uh, in the areas of our lives that could trigger us and, and cause us to be in a place that uh, we otherwise wouldn't want to be in. And so, yeah. so yeah, I think it's important to recognize that. So, yeah. 
So on the system side, so that's the, the narrative side. What about the system side? How do systems, how do you think about them and, and how do they play a part in how you go about living and work? Well, I think really, you know, you're speaking about habits, systems and habits, you know, creating a process by which we operate our lives, right? You know, whether it's daily, weekly, monthly, or annually, I think you order out your life for your life, you know, you, you create the life that you want or your life kind of just, you know, happens. Um, and I think there's good in both, certainly. Um, you know, we're speaking about disciplines, establishing disciplines in your life. Systems are an essential part of the way that we operate. Um, because if you have systems that allow you or established that allow you to be successful, um, then you need to establish those systems. If you establish systems that allow you to avoid making certain mistakes, you know, in your work, then do those, you know, I work in banking. So we have certain systems in place to help us with compliance measures to make sure that we're, you know, withhold or upholding the requirements that we are, uh, that we're required to have as a banker, you know, with different loans and, and different types of things that we do. So I think in its basic form, a system essentially, it's a predetermined habit uh, that you establish to walk through to ensure the result that you want to get on the other end. Um, I think we're all familiar with the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. I think that really is the framework for most to establish systems and habits that we want in our lives to get the desired outcome. Yeah. Uh, and so he he's presented a pretty clear um picture about how to do that or, or at least how to explore that in your life but systems i mean i think we i can't remember the exact phrase but you know we rise and fall based on on those you know it's 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 essential to establish ways rhythms routines uh mm -hmm. that help us walk in the way in which we want to and yeah and, and yeah i think and i'm trying to do those things in my life because i think they're changing they're, they're ever changing yeah. for you in your life depending on where you walk yeah, I think uh, when you said all that, it just kind of made me think about like transplanting a, an animal or a plant from one ecosystem to another ecosystem. Like it's a very difficult thing to do successfully. Oh, sure. oh yeah. Um, and yet we don't, it, I think in America, maybe more so than other areas, uh, we're so independent and autonomous that, that I think we, we take that systemic, systemic piece um, for granted, whether it's at a local level or a broad level. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, 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 I think, one of those areas where, so we're getting ready to have our third child later this summer. So I'm trying to establish, okay, what systems, routines that I need to make sure that I'm aware of? Because the other part of that, I would say that's really important when establishing systems or habits or routines is every decision that you make has ripple effects to the people around you. Yeah. Uh, both good and bad. And so if you establish systems or a habit or a routine, that's going to have an effect on the people you work with, your manager, your coworkers you know, your subordinates, but also your family, your kids, your wife, your community. Um, and so I think taking into account and considering the way that those things will be affected um, by other people well is, is, is important in establishing those systems and routines. Yeah. So you've shared a lot about your faith and, and uh, you have a particular line on your website that says that you believe God is good. And I think one of the big questions of our time right now is, is, is God good? Sure. Okay. Maybe you can make your point and prove to me that God exists and that Christ uh, existed and that he died on the cross and resurrected. But how do I know he's good? Like, how do you, how do you answer that question? Um, not whether or not it's true or not, but whether or not God is actually good. Well, well that is a, uh, 
That's certainly a, a, a big question. I would say this and foremost, I think the baseline is, do you believe that, that the Bible is true? Do you believe that scripture is the, um, is the word of God? Do you believe that um, it is the inspired word of God? If, if you don't, if you don't believe that, then it's, there's really, I don't want to say there's no point in having that discussion with somebody, but you know, the baseline for me in my life is that I believe that. So I believe that the scripture is true. I believe that the people, um, that people that identify as followers of Christ experience great hardship, great seasons and years, decades and generations of, of, of real tribulation, of real difficulty in their life. I mean, you know, the Israelites wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. They weren't supposed to do that for that long, and they did. Um, you know, we see time and time again in the place of scripture where, you know, God's people cry out for help, um, both in the Old Testament and then in the New Testament. And so I think if you believe that the scripture is true, then I think you'll find refuge in it because, you know, there is a story uh, that is woven through it in the person of Jesus and the redemptive love that is found through him and him dying on the cross. So I believe that God is good because I believe that those things happened. I believe that God is sovereign. I believe that he's just. Um, and I believe that I don't have the full understanding that he does about the things that we face on this side of heaven. And so I'm not going to place myself in the position of God because I don't understand it. It just means that I'm not God. And I'm glad I'm not because there are things that are very, very hard to see in this world. They're very, very, I mean, just what we saw in the school shooting. I, I, I have two elementary kids. I, I, I literally can't even fathom and imagine walking through that as a parent. It's very hard, I mean, to, to see things of that magnitude and not ask questions like, God, where are you in this? Why would you allow something like this to happen? Um, and I think the first thing I would say is I would ask God those questions because God always, always recognizes, you know, the posture of someone's heart. And if someone is approaching God and, and wants to be in the presence of God and is just lamenting about and anguishing about, you know, just hurt and pain in their lives or things that they're experiencing. I, I just believe that God meets you where you are. I've seen it. I've experienced it in my own life. And I know that might sound as too simple of an answer, but I think, honestly, I think we overcomplicate a lot of answers when it comes to theology and scripture. I just, I just believe God is good. I believe that the word of God is true uh, and I'm not God and I'm not going to try to make it sound like that I am. And so, um, you know, I've seen in my own life, uh, Jason, where there are people and relationships and things that I've experienced 15, 20, 30 years ago that I'm seeing now how God is bringing full circle. Um, and so that's why I believe in the sovereignty of God. And I could share story after story after story, miracle after miracle about how this journal that we publish has come to be. And I'll probably write a book about it because I want to testify to what God has done and to the goodness uh, of, of who he is. And I think right now, it's all the more important for us if we identify and if we um, say that we are followers of Christ to share our story, to tell, to testify, um, because those are the things that encourage, those are the things that give hope, those are the things that inspire, um, because they are real. And, and if, when you give an account to what God is doing in your life, and I'm not talking about prosperity, you know, I'm talking about stuff like that. I'm talking about, you know, the sovereign, you know, work of God in your life. Um, when you recognize it and when you receive it and experience it, um, it's a very intoxicating place and you want to tell other people about who he is and the nature of God. And I just believe that he's good. Um, and so that's why I published this journal. I mean, I believe 
that there are stories that need to be told um, in first person, you know, from men um, that point to the personhood of Jesus, that point to the love of a heavenly father. And so that's why we're doing this is because I'm trying to curate those stories and tell them in a way that inspires and encourages a generation of men. Yeah. So I think, I think part of what I'm hearing you is fearing from you is that it, through these stories, whether they're your own or the ones found in scripture, people have asked, people have been asking that question and, um, and, and God has been answering it in different ways. And if we go into those stories, we can, we can get a vision of, of, um, of that goodness. Yeah. And I would just say this, you know, here's what's so great that I, I believe about God is very personal. You know, the Holy Spirit's very personal. And so that's why I say, if you have questions or doubts, um, which I do too, read your Bible, read scripture, you know, spend time in his presence. Um, I just, nothing can replicate that. Like, you know, it's so easy to go to Google and search and find someone else's opinion or perspective on something. And while there can be value in that from a perspective standpoint, if you're trying to go to, the, if, if, if you want to know and understand something about God, you should probably go to the source. Um, and I would just venture to say that he just might reveal with time what that is to you individually on a personal level. Because what happens is, is each of us based on our, our experiences and, you know, our trauma or what, you know, fill in the blank, we have a different perspective or bias based on what we've seen and experienced in our world and in our life. And because of that, we have a way that we view things. Um, but if you layer on top of that, you know, you're a person of faith and believing that God is sovereign and that he is good. Well, then he will provide clarity, I believe, in the context of your perspective. Um, so that's why I'm just very careful. And I think all of us should be about making blanket statements about certain areas or hot topics, because especially in a public play or in a public, you know, setting like this on a podcast, you know, I, I would be careful about saying certain things because I don't know the person on the other end that's hearing this and listening to it. Um, so I'm just careful to, to say some, yeah. but I just yeah. believe that God longs to reveal himself uh, to each and every one of us. He's personal. And so, uh, so yeah, we find yeah. that in scripture. So cool. Well, thank you for sharing. Yeah. I know you got to get going. So, uh, what, you know, any, any final words or, um, how can people, uh, you know, connect with you? What are you up to? Yeah. So probably the best way to connect is, uh, through our, uh, Instagram, obviously our website, uh, Kinsman Journal, K-I-N-S-M-E-N, Journal, J-O-U-R-N-A-L, at Kinsman Journal on Instagram, and through our website, kinsmanjournal.com. Um, that's probably the best way to connect with me. I kind of channel everything through there. Obviously, I'm on LinkedIn as well. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, we have some videos that we produce. Obviously, the journal, it's out. It's available now. We've got some specials going on uh, leading up to Father's Day. I know by the time this probably plays, Father's Day will be gone uh, and passed. But uh the journal, I tell you, if you're looking for a gift or something for, you know, a husband, a friend, a father, a neighbor, uh, or just something that you want to read through that is uh, just encouraging, I promise you, you're going to find that in this. And so I would check it out. Um, I'd love for you to, for the support. And uh, we're hoping to create more uh, volumes here in the near future. So awesome. Well, that's awesome to hear. Any Anything else or that you want to add? I think, I think I think that would be it. I mean, I just, I would just, you know, I've enjoyed the conversation today. I think we've cover a lot of really good topics. And, uh, but yeah, I think, you know, going back to, I think the beginning of this conversation, I think, and I can say this because this is what I experienced for me personally, you know, five years ago when I read that book, not only did I do a deep dive research into, you know, the industries, but I also did some soul searching for me myself. And I went on really just a 
more deep, intimate relationship with the Lord about certain areas of things in my life that I didn't understand. And I just, and he's revealed things to me and he's brought healing in areas of my life and my heart. So I just, if, if he's done it for me, I'm certain he'd do it for others because, you know, God's no respecter of persons. I'm just Peter from Missouri. That's all I am. So Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Peter, for sharing your life today. You bet. Thanks for the time, bud. I appreciate it, Jason. Thank you for listening to this episode of Share Life. For additional stories and systems to live better and work smarter, visit jasonscottmontoya.com. That's jasonscottmontoya.com. We look forward to having you listen in on the next episode of Share Life.